Pistols is an FX Hulu biodrama based on Steve Jones' 2017 memoir, Lonely Boy, Tales of a Sex Pistol. The miniseries was created by screenwriter Craig Pierce, best known for his co-writing of the 2001 musical Moulin Rouge, as well as The Great Gatsby in 2013, and the upcoming Elvis biographical musical scheduled to be released later this month. Danny Boyle directed all six episodes, including the one we're discussing today, titled Track One, The Cloak of Invisibility. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss a different series every show. It's June 2nd, and you're listening to today's episode. So I knew nothing about the Sex Pistols before I started doing research for this show. Absolutely zilch. You never listened to their music? I did. If I did, I am unaware that it was them who I was hearing because they're doing the punk rock thing, right? Yeah. So it's just a lot of screaming. More about the visuals, I'd assume, the uh, image behind the people than the actual talent. <laughs> yeah, like when they were doing songs, they performed one, I think, called Lazy Sod, and I couldn't tell if that was actually one of their songs or not, because I didn't listen to the Sex Pistols. Sod either. is such a British term. Um, Danny Boyle, Craig Pierce, those are the people behind this show. Danny Boyle from Slumdog Millionaire, 28 Weeks Later, Sunshine, Train Spotting, 127 Hours Yesterday. There's actually a connection between the last show that we did, as in Ewan McGregor, who starred in Obi-Wan Kenobi, or is starring in that, was also in Train Spotting by Danny Boyle, but also in Moulin Rouge, um, as in the Craig Pierce film. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the starring role in that. Not only that, but also one of the actors who was in this show, Thomas Brody Sangster, who you knew Yeah, as from Queen's Gambit. He's from Malcolm, Ferb. Malcolm and, yeah, Phineas and Ferb also. But. Yeah, he was the petty officer in The Force Awakens. What? Yeah, he was in The Force Awakens. I don't even He has one that. line. And I think it's at the beginning of the film when Poe is escaping. He's one of the evil guys. He's like, oh, no, get that guy or something. <laughs> it's, it, it, he plays a different character here, right? Yeah, way different. In fact, he looked younger here than he did in The Queen's Gambit. How about than he did in Godless? No, I, I would say that he looks younger in Godless. He actually so. ages backwards. He is 48 He's years old at this point. <laughs> no, but he is like pretty old for his yeah yeah and that's why he's like in his 30s i think that's why it was so weird being able to actually see him look younger here he was one of my favorite characters they just the stuck show. him in a wig and he doesn't have a mustache yeah right? okay well anyways a purple wig he plays almost. malcolm mclaren and that leads me to my first question about the actual series yeah. so who is the main character that we're watching uh for this episode at least it's steve yeah, and I'd assume it's going to be Steve the whole time because, again, it's based off his memoir, Lonely Boy, Tales of a Sex Pistol. And I'm wondering how much of it was actually, like, real, like how much they took from the book and how much they made up because I could not tell. Well, it's interesting you say that because I went and I actually read the first part of the book, and it mainly dealt with his childhood trauma His uh, before he was even part of the Sex Pistols at all. It was his ages, I think, 6 to 12 years old. Yeah, here they use that in flashback form. What do you learn about Steve? Uh, The fact that he had an abusive stepfather growing up. True. Um, How abusive did they show, though? Because it 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 gets pretty bad. It It does get pretty bad. bad. Uh, They also, like, kind of do a weird thing by the end of the episode where they almost do a twist as to how bad the stepfather was. Like, he was sexually abused, not only emotionally as well. Yeah. Um, Not only by the stepfather, but also some weird pervert, like Herbert the pervert type. Oh, they didn't. didn't, I don't think they show anyone like that. But also, the mom didn't seem to be too nice to him either. She lost a baby because 
because of how abusive the father was. The mom was supposed to be pretty young when she had him, and he's had, like, kind of residual thoughts and feelings on how that impacted the rest of his life. Definitely the move to the stepfather's house changed him and also made him want to get out of there, which turned yeah. him into sort of a delinquent, from what I understand. Oh, yeah, completely. He, he, are they showing him as a kleptomaniac, as, as a robber, as someone who's doing, like, crime? Yeah, the, the, first, the first scene of the show is Steve. He's able to somehow, like, scale the building, and I already had a problem with this scene because what he's doing is he breaks into where a concert was just previously held by David Bowie. In fact, the song, the show even starts out with the song of David Bowie's Moonage Daydream. Yeah. Um, but when he's able to get into the concert, I, all he did was scale a building, and there's only one security guard there. Hey, it's the 70s, but and this the is based on true stuff, man, because what happened back then is he would disguise himself sort of as a groupie to different bands that would come in, and then he would just either destroy equipment or he would steal it for it would himself. Just, it, would just, it just seems so unbelievable because there was only one security guard who was there, and this was supposedly hours after David Bowie, and they showed you in the, the show that David Bowie's concerts were huge at the time. Yeah, and he, he, this was near the time that The Man Who Fell to Earth actually came out and filmed. Yeah, like, but... I like, think this was 1971, and that film came out in, like, the 75 or something. Yeah, I mean, of that era. Uh, they even start out... It, the, the like, first thing we see are is just a montage of, like, 1970s. Like, we see... Uh, and I think it's real footage. Build, yeah, it is real footage. It's, like, buildings crumbling. We get shots of the Queen. And then that's when it, we get the, like, introduction of Steve. He climbs in. There was a large working class group of people who were very upset at the right. time. Yeah, and that's Needing why... a movement to join. That's why this type of, like, music was starting to become such a big deal at that's the time. That's why this was considered... The Sex Pistols were considered sort of the pioneers of the punk movement. Right, so the first thing we see is him clip the microphone that David Bowie was supposedly using. And he says throughout the episode that, like, um, when he was stealing it that like it still had david bowie's lipstick on it mm -hmm. and then he starts to steal a ton of other band equipment and then that wakes the security guard up and it turns into a full-on chase steve tries to get the band equipment into his car the security guard is running after him but steve is able to escape and then uh to, he, he escapes because yeah. i do know he goes to jail early on in his life for about a year he goes away and then he comes back and that's when he starts wanting to join up and do the band yeah even in this episode we see him go to jail um, uh -huh. but that, but that's later on Oh, that's later yeah. on. Yeah, Steve, he, but yeah, we see him do a ton of illegal stuff. Like, the next thing he does is after he gets out of his car to not, uh, to kind of keep the band equipment there, he breaks into, like, a red car, a really expensive thing that had, like, a tarp over it. Yeah, it's weird, because when you read the book, it was almost accepted that if you were of lower class that you could kind of get away with tiny thefts. And that people wouldn't ask too many questions. That it was just part of the. Vibe. Well, that's that's even that's even stated like uh, a couple minutes later because he picks up one of the other band members. I think it's the drummer. His name's Paul. Paul Cook. Yeah, and they're they're drinking and they're having a good time. They're in the red car. They're even like uh, singing with a microphone. That uh, that this sounds this sounds kind of happy. This seems like they're, even uh, though it's like dark stuff is happening, they're trying to put like it's a very nice much, light over it's it. It's very much in the similar like uh, tone as Train Spotting. Like I, if it, if this wasn't made by the person who did Train Spotting, I would have been like, this almost they're, feels they're like ripping a ripoff. But yeah, uh, but then the cops see that like they're drinking and also kind of being loud in their car, so they pull them over and then that's um, the, the cops are suspicious of them and then that's right. when they do they go to jail then no because uh it turns out that paul is like oh no i might lose my apprenticeship and then steve's like no you're not and they book it right afterwards so they're playing it cool right and uh and cool, cool. steve keeps on talking about it's the name of the episode the cloak of invisibility which i kept on thinking about harry potter 
<laughs> the, yeah, but that's that's basically what he's saying because uh, he always did this thing when he was younger where he would act like he had one of those cloaks. Oh, to like, get away from the evilness of his... And it was almost like a separate identity because, like, yeah, he would walk into stores and, and just shoplift random things. Yes. Like, it, that, that type of um, ideal that he was using. So it's just about kind of getting you used to Steve Jones and who he is. Right. If you were to compare Steve Jones to Al Ruddy... Because it was based off his knowledge that they did the offer, talking about mm, the Godfather, yeah, right. or uh, Greg Sestero from The Disaster <laughs> Artist. Do you feel like those are oh, good no, comparisons? No, no, no. Because Steve, they're making it clear that he's someone who like broke the law 100%. Greg Sestero with like The Disaster Artist or Al Ruddy, it seemed like they were much more protagonists than Steve is supposed to even be. Okay, so you've met Steve Jones at the beginning. You've met Paul Cook. Who is the next major character? Because when I asked you who the main character of the series is, it's, it's more because... It could be anyone from that band. You really have you Johnny Rotten, who's the lead singer, who I'm sure you met later on. He's the face of the he band. He might be the, the person that shows up at the very end. Does he look really weird? Yeah. Okay, uh, that's probably him. Um, his public persona is very strong. He was, again, the face of the band. And then there's Malcolm McLaren, who is the reputed mastermind manager behind everything, who I think the story... It'll have to include him as, like, a major oh, part yeah, of no, it. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. He he shows up in, like, a pretty big scene later on. Steve Jones almost feels like the fourth one that you might well, expect because there's also Sid Vicious, and they've already made a movie of his relationship between him and Nancy that came out in 1986, starred Gary Oldman. Yeah, the, well, there's there for the band so far, I believe it's just Steve, Paul, Glenn, and Wally. Yeah. So those are the four that we've been introduced to. But in the same way that I kind of had the problem with um, a lot of these, I guess, biopics, even though this is a TV series, it reminded me a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody because I had a similar complaint with it. It seemed like none of the other members of the band, mm -hmm. aside from Steve, even though they tried to make it seem like they were a big part of it, really get their time to shine. And I get that there's going to be five more episodes five of more this episodes. or something like this. But like in Bohemian Rhapsody, I remember they tried to give, uh, aside from Freddie Mercury, like Brian May and the other two people, like these little tiny stories, but they just didn't work because it was like the main focus was on uh, like Freddie Mercury, same way here. The main focus is on Steve the whole episode. And Steve's not even the main singer. It's interesting because, yeah, that memoir is a memoir, so it's not technically about the Pistols as a whole, mm -hmm. and yet that's what the series decided to take from it, to adapt from it. They didn't decide to say Steve Jones' Pistols or, or something that, like, was more related towards him. So you will be seeing it through his eyes, I assume, the entire series, and you might not be getting as into it with the rest of the band members as many people would like. Yeah, because then because the next scene, uh, they, they get away from the cops and the intro plays, and then the next scene is, I believe, Wally's dad gives them this huge like place. It's like a warehouse where they're going to be able to practice, but they're not even called the Sex Pistols or the Pistols at this time. This is when they're called the Strand. They yes. go through three name changes in this <laughs> pilot. Um, but the final one is due because of Malcolm McLaren, correct? Yeah, because the, because very shortly afterwards, we go to Kings Road, Chelsea, um, and that's where this place called Sex, this And it had a different name is. before that, but yeah, by yeah. the time that you're knowing it, it's named Sex. Steve it's walks in. run by, who are, who are the two that run it? Well, it's run by Malcolm and Viv. And Viv, who he shares a kid with. I'm not sure if they're married at this point, but yeah. Yeah, so Steve walks in, he tries to shoplift like a pair of trousers he says and then uh the the cashier catches him 
And then he's like, well, the owner of the place said that I could keep whatever I want to. And that's when Malcolm and Viv walk out and are like, we <laughs> we didn't say that. But I think the actual story goes where Malcolm like chased him down a street after he stole like a pair of maybe it was a shirt or something. Yeah, we didn't see that. And see, this was also a part I, I did like the show. Like I have a list of pros as well, but it just seemed like a lot of the situations were kind of either A, easily explained or B, just not really reasonable like steve oh too convenient yeah too convenient like steve is talking to everyone there viv the cashier and malcolm and he's like we have this band named the strand and they're going to be really good and we're and um and malcolm gets interested because of the fact that he's hearing this band and he's like oh they're wanting to like start a revolution kind of like we are wanting to as well see that feels like it's speeding things up a little bit because originally malcolm passes right yeah that yeah no malcolm because right away he's like oh yes we're starting a revolution if you're going to be starting this band then yes we i want to be your manager right away that is not happened. what happened yeah it, it happened very very fast i think the original story was that steve and paul went to him asking for a manager he said uh you sound interesting but no and then he goes to new york trying to become a music manager for other people yeah he does but then he fails and then he comes back uh promising to become a manager of the strand and that's when they changed See, to becoming here, the sex pistols here it's almost like it's malcolm's idea it's almost like he was the one to come it's, up with me. A lot of the stuff does end up becoming Malcolm's idea. Like he's the one who is getting them into the venues. He's the one who is planning out and doing their contracts and making sure that like all the managerial stuff is taken care of. However, that's not to say that he did a very fair job of it, mm -hmm. which will, I'm sure, get addressed later on. Yeah, because that's why Malcolm's story is so interesting to me. And it's almost like I wish his story would be the main topic because he does some shady shit later yeah. on. But yeah, because the next thing we see is that's when Steve, he goes to a drag concert. He's getting drunk and this is interspliced again. We've, we've seen some flashbacks with the stepfather, but this is when the show to me got the most grotesque. It's when you see the mom lose the baby. There's like blood on her bed sheets um, as like Steve as is a young kid and his father, his stepfather is just like absolutely berating him. The way that Steve described it in his book was that poor in America at that time still meant you could have a TV, still meant that you could have a nice bed to sleep on, uh, it just, or, or even food in your mouth. But poor in England, there was like none oh, of yeah, that. No, like it was literally Oliver Twist type. Yeah, it got- Living with the rats. It got really bad when Steve, uh, he's stumbling throughout the streets after getting drunk at the drag concert and he sees two people having sex in a car and he starts like masturbating to it. And that was the part of the show where I was like, okay, like I, I get that this stuff might have actually happened. Straight from the book, yeah. But you, like, I, it just, it was, it was a little bit too much for me. Cause too it, much. Because this is still, again, being interspliced with you seeing all this bad stuff happen to him. I think I, it's supposed to show that, like, the mentality to which they went into the Sex Pistols as a bunch of late teen, early 20s uh, guys it wasn't fake. It wasn't like no, they just I, put on a persona. I understood. That they really were just like a middle-class family or something. They just want to show that it was authentic to their personalities. And it was, it was, I mean, it was entertaining to watch just that, that like whole entire sequence in particular. Do you have a favorite character or actor at this point? Uh, I would say Malcolm is probably my favorite. Steve is a close second. He reminded me a little bit of Nathan from Misfits because he even goes to his old home. And then that's when Rod, his Misfits, the TV series, not yeah. the band. And I say that because Misfits is right. a punk band. So right, right, right. <laughs> that would be easy to confuse. Uh, but yeah, Rod, the stepfather. Did you recognize anybody but Malcolm, though? No. Steve? was actually Toby Wallace. That's his real name. He was in the society. He played the villain. Sid Vicious. Oh, the main villain? Like the one that the bought the main pie? Villain. The one that bought the pie? But his, the... his, I think his girlfriend was the one who was the... Like, right. He was a psychopath. Right. She was trying to kill him. But she thing. was like 
I would never, I, I would never have recognized him there. I think that the, I think he does a great job playing the protagonist here. Um, yeah, and it, it got pretty intense when he goes to his old house where Rod and his mom is staying, and Rod just completely kicks him out. He even gives like an ultimatum. Steve does to his mom, and his mom chooses Rod, and so he he doesn't have a place to stay, so he ends up sleeping at uh, at the sex shop, and that's why it reminded me so much of Misfits. Very similar in the like beginning of the pilot where Nathan is walking to his home, and then his mom like changes the locks on him mm-hmm. so he had to sleep at the uh containment facility or whatever wherever he was and you said you didn't see sid vicious too much he would have been known as like john at the time uh there's also glenn matlock who you mentioned he's played by christian lees he's only been in this other show called sun records which was also a biographical musical show so they did cast people or for the most part who could sing which he's all i think he's a guitarist yes. in this one yeah so I, I i imagine he knows how to actually play guitar uh-huh and then there's you said wally nightingale there's um, also from dairy girls chris chrissy hind that's the one i was gonna bring up do that's, you know where she's from no. she's from scom austin did you know they made a scom oh austin? they made a scom everything but austin texas yeah, yeah no, no, no like I a know. u.s scom no here's the thing about scom scom was so big that's one of the reasons i ended up watching the whole series the original scom version that they that it, they made it everywhere there's like a scom germany i believe it, it it went crazy so i'm not surprised but yeah she plays steve's love interest christy but she's uh the girlfriend of someone named nick and nick is like a famous nick um, kent Nick Kent. Did you recognize him? (laughs) No, no. Is he famous? He is the main guy from Sing Street. I know we always thought that. Okay, yes. So that's what this show reminded me of. It reminded me of Snatch a little bit, the like 2001 movie. I think that was also made by Danny Boyle, possibly. Um, There was Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Train Spotting, and Sing Street. And huh. so I didn't know that they actually had someone from Sing Street in this. Yes. He plays like he a music critic. He's also in Coda. He played the main dude who sang with the girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he plays the main critic. Uh, um, like he's someone who gets, writes reviews of, of bands. Yeah. And he's like held in high regard in this show. And then you met Vivian as well. Tallulah Riley, mm-hmm. married to Elon Musk two times. And also the girl <laughs> from Westworld, the one who introduces them into the world by giving them the hats. Oh, the actual actress. The actual okay, actress. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so oh, you thought the person Vivian at was first, married to Elon Musk? No, the actress. The actress. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't she seem young for <laughs> That's what I was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Steve, yeah, he's sleeping at the sex shop and then Chrissy comes in and, uh, this is why I, one of the best parts of the episode was this scene where, um, he wants to hear her sing, uh, Starman again, mm-hmm. a lot of David Bowie. That's another thing. That's a big pro about this show. Every single song that they have, if you like 80 songs or like you like 70s. any of those artists, yeah, 70 songs around that time frame, you're going to love this show. It has a great soundtrack. Uh, And that's, well, I mean, it's called track one. Yeah. Do you at all get the connection between 13 Reasons Why the tapes? Because it was like tape one, tape A, side one, or something like that. Right, and side one, side A, and side B. That's the last time I remember there being a track as part of the title sequence. Yeah, I'll say this for sure. The kids have to be at the same age, though, right? Yeah, but also... What if someone like Dylan Minnette joined this show? I, I, it would take me out of it. This okay. show is way better than 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got better uh, Danny Boyle, Craig Pierce. That's right, a the talent behind base. it. Right. So Steve he, uh, and Chrissy, they're about to have sex, but then Nick walks in, and then they play it off like they're just in the back, and it kind of cut time. Steve uh, A lot invites, of cheating back then. Yeah, invites And all Nick. these, like, band shows. He's yeah. inviting Nick and Chrissy and everyone to this concert that he's having later. But then, much like at the very beginning of the scene, he tries to steal more equipment from a different place, yet the cops catch him this time uh-huh. and start beating on him. Okay. So he has to go to jail. And when he's brought in front of the judge... 
this was by far my favorite part because they played it off and it was really funny. Um, that's when Malcolm walks in uh, because he's like, do you have anyone that can speak for you? Like, Malcolm's just like a skinny red haired yeah, dude. Yeah, right? he's like, do you have anyone who can speak for you? Uh, like uh, teachers or any employer? And uh, Steve's just like, no. And that's when Malcolm just busts through the doors, has like a briefcase. And he's and even though it seemed like it was completely unrealistic, I, I like the scene a lot because Malcolm like starts talking about how like uh, Steve lost his father, but they do or uncle in like a funny way, and they and they start intersplicing things. And so he comes in basically like his lawyer. He's just and is able to get yeah. him off. Yeah, and he, he comes in there being like he's my employer because again he's managing him, and mm -hmm. uh, and so Malcolm comes off just as the good guy in this first right. episode, and, and he, I assume that'll stay until probably around episode three or four. You know, it's a similar thing in a lot of um, movies like this, like Straight Outta Compton, Paul Giamatti, Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's always like they start off as good people, but they end up being the people who screw them over in the end. So I'm wondering, like you're saying, if that's going to be the actual case here. It's funny because most people know already how the sex right. pistols ended it only lasts as a band for a couple years i'll tell you that um also richard branson gets involved really yeah yeah because it's a here. very interesting story i can see why it would have been made into a tv series however that doesn't necessarily mean that the reviews on this have been great well i'm almost at the very end so they go to the gig everyone's getting ready for them to perform and then that's when steve is having a lot of flashback moments to his father mm -hmm. um and and he's well, not his father his stepfather his stepfather yeah and he can't do it he, he walks off stage yeah stage right everyone everyone laughs at him paul even comes out after him and it's like what are you doing we have everybody here and like we're, we they even changed their name again this time it is cutie jones in his sex pistols that's what they're going by but he can't do it he leaves and then that's when we cut to a random person i think the singer that you were talking about johnny rotten yeah he's like wearing a pink floyd shirt but he has a sharpie and he writes i hate uh on the top of it to be like i hate pink floyd yes. and it's like doing a ton of quick camera cuts and that's when the show ends um and then well, the guy who played him anson boone uh, he was actually from 1917 for a really small part where he was in the truck and he talks to the main oh, character. Okay. Um, but yeah, he actually. Oh, broke, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it looks like him. I he know. He broke his yeah. front tooth during this, so now he has a fake tooth thanks to this show. <laughs> Apparently, they went through like a band camp for uh, for many months, uh, and then the whole show took six months to go through. So like a month an episode. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so my my main things were the whole show throughout is is pretty entertaining. Yeah. Like I, I think that it's like. A nice escape. There's great and noticeable songs. Like I said, a really, really good soundtrack. Uh, Malcolm, especially that scene where he's like talking to, in front of the judge, was was really good. So a, a couple of funny scenes, but I think that the cons are just kind of too big. There was a lot of tonal shifts. The reason why he walks off stage, um, like jarring. Yeah, because the reason that because you get you go from like the lawyer scene, which like I said was funny. To him walking off stage and the reason he walks off stage is because like i say they do a weird twist where he shows where it shows him like masturbating but you said so it's like gritty and uh wholesome at the same time and that those two can't mix that well right yeah and it, and also it feels kind of grotesque that's what i said and then yeah it just feel, it, it feels also like it was a little unneeded maybe it could have gone through like a couple more script changes um and that would have kind of helped overall i give it like a seven out of ten but i'm not going to keep watching just kind of because of the constant tonal shifts and story some questionable story choices that were made it does have a 7.4 on imdb but the overall impression i'm getting is that people have called this show cliche now it's not disney-esque because johnny rotten 
uh, John Lydon, actually came out when the series was being made trying to sue the series to stop them from using his music. Oh, really? Yeah. Him and his the rest of his bandmates have had a turbulent history. There's been a lot of lawsuits back and forth. But as I was saying, the main criticism here is that with the Danny Boyle, Craig Pierce team up, you get sort of an innocent, uplifting, decent undercurrent to yeah. this show when objectively the reality is that these individuals and the movement that they were in was it's not a feel-good story uh there were overdoses and kidnappings and lawsuits and deaths and for the type of gritty style that they sometimes show they're not really matching it like they're adding too much i saw one article refer to it as that thing you do and the moments in that where it was just the cliche band tropes and comparing this punk alternative crazy time period with anything cliche just doesn't seem like it fits. Yeah, well, it also just felt like sometimes this Pistol show was kind of tone deaf. Like, the the fact that they made the twist at the very end be that Steve, because what he's, I know he said Mastermind before, what he's actually doing is he's, like, jacking off his stepdad. In, yeah, that happens in the book. That's like a power movie said that his stepfather was just trying to get him out of the but house that, and that it worked. But that they would use that as, like, a twist almost, cause by, because at that it's point... It's a pretty dark thing to happen. Yeah, so so, I mean, like, that, but, like, it just seemed like it didn't really, like, again, tone deaf. So, that was, that was another con I had. Like I said, 7 out of 10, but 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. What are the, like, actual reviews? I like mean, The Guardian gave it two stars. Okay. <laughs> uh, Decider said stream it. People like the music. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like it, I said, great soundtrack. And when you have people behind Yesterday or this upcoming Elvis thing that's been looking really good in the trailers, <laughs> everybody's been talking about it. Um, you know that they, they probably, that's what probably drew them to this. But I'm, I'm just wondering how many more of these, like, I get that every single band is different, but as we've already kind of stated, it was things like Bohemian Rhapsody, Straight Outta Compton, uh, Rocket Man, all of these ones follow a very similar pattern, just maybe different songs. And I'm wondering how long that's going to be popular. For. I feel like I learned more doing the research behind the show and finding out about the Sex Pistols that way than you will probably watching the show. Right. But who knows? They do give a massive amount of credit to the actors who, again, went through a lot to embody these characters. And I don't doubt that the budget was very significant and that you could see it within the way it was shot. I think it was I think it was done well, with, especially with like kind of how revolutionary they were, that they did it in such like a trippy way. It, it does look good. There, there is a story to be told here. That's that's what I learned. It's just how they're saying it here may just be a little bit too... Um, Two by the book. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.